Thank you for listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for this week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and this week I'm being joined by Mike Livingston. Mike's been our guest uh, three times through this quarter. So, Mike, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Uh, we're looking at session 12 of our study of Ezekiel and Daniel. We're getting close to being near the end of our time in these two books. Uh, but in session 12, we're looking at Daniel 7, 1 through 14. It's a, a series of visions. This is the first vision that Daniel has. There'll be other visions that'll be looked at uh, next week. But in this vision, um, we're told about a dream he has about four beasts. So we're going to look at these passages in this way. First of all, he identifies three beasts in verses one through six. Daniel told of a dream that featured four unique beasts that emerged from the sea. The first was like a lion with eagle's wings, and its wings were torn off so that it took on human characteristics. The second beast looked like a bear that was told to gorge itself on flesh. A third beast was like a leopard with four wings and heads that appeared. In this section, we can come to understand that people should not place their hope in kingdoms of this earth because none are eternal. In verses 7 and 8, a fourth beast is introduced and the horn. David eventually saw a fourth beast with iron teeth and ten horns. Then suddenly a little horn dominated and developed eyes and began speaking arrogantly. In these verses, we can come to understand that we should be warned when rulers mistakenly believe that they are worthy of praise. The last section, verses 9 through 14, we've entitled the judgment. In these verses, Daniel tells about seeing thrones set up in a place with God taking his place as judge. The small horn continues to speak arrogantly until God acted and destroyed the horn. Daniel told of the arrival of one like the Son of Man who approached the Ancient of Days. All dominion and glory were given to the one who was like the Son of Man, eternally establishing his kingdom. The main point for us is that believers can trust that God's rule will last for eternity. Mike, one thing I, I, I get struck when I read these 14 verses is the fact that Ancient of Days appears three times in these passages. Can you unpack that title, Ancient of Days? Maybe a little bit. Um, only Daniel used this title for God. Uh, it's, it's not found anywhere else, uh, only in these three places in all of Scripture. And it does describe God the Father. It's literally one advanced in days. And possibly the meaning can be could be one who rules over time could also be a, a meaning of, of the title. And it relates to God's eternal nature and his sovereignty over all things. And so this this is a particularly meaningful title in the context of Daniel 7, where you find it, in spite of the changing and, and in spite of unchanging and uncertain world events, the eternal and sovereign God. The ancient of days is seated on his throne forever. The one who is eternal, the one who is sovereign, is seen as seated on his throne. 
Now, there, there's another person who appears um, in, in this passage, and I want to make a distinction between these two, the two persons that we, so they're not confused. Uh, there's the Ancient of Days, but then there's also the one like a son of man. Not, not this, they're not the same. It's the son of man, the one like a son of man is distinctively different, a different person. Because in verse 13, it says the one like a son of man approached the ancient of days. He can't approach himself. He's approaching the ancient of days. So this was, this was Christ. Uh, the, the one like a son of man was Christ. Um, that was, in fact, you know, that that was Jesus's favorite way of referring to himself as the son of man. And he, he even applied this passage to himself during his ministry. Um, so you have the Christ, the second person of the Trinity, approaching God the Father. So two, two distinct persons of, of the Trinity in this passage. And in the passage, the Ancient of Days, God the Father gives the Son uh, dominion and glory and a kingdom so that people of every nation, people, uh, so that every people, nation, and language will serve him, which, which sounds like John's vision of this great multitude before the throne of God in Revelation 7 9, one of um, numerous uh, connections uh, between Daniel and Revelation. Revelation 7 9 talks about a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language uh, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So in, in Daniel chapter 7, the kingdom, kingdoms of the world are clearly, clearly, clearly seen as being temporary and limited in their power, but then you've got the, the eternal and sovereign ancient of days and, and Christ whose, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, it says. They have authority over every earthly power and people. They, they have everything under control. Um, I, I read that where one Bible scholar has said that among persecuted believers uh, around the world today, their, their two most favored books in the Bible are Daniel and Revelation, because both of them teach that in the end, God wins. In the end, God wins. And that, that's what this passage is teaching, too. Now, the Ancient of Days points to his eternal nature, is the way I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. God communicated here through a dream. Uh, one of our options in the leader guide teaching plans deals with how God communicates, points to a pack item, pack item 12, and there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different ways identified on that handout for how God communicated in the Old Testament. There's direct contact, there's the casting of lots, the writing on the wall, the Urim and the Thummim, the dream, there's dreams, visions, direct intervention, and then there's prophets and writers of the Bible. There are references listed for each one of those ways, by the way, with Daniel being one of the ones listed for dreams. Um, this is labeled God's Old Testament communication. So it, it, it infers that this is Old Testament ways that God communicated. Does he still communicate to us these ways today through dreams, visions, those kind of things, Mike? Yeah, and that's a good question worth worth discussing that this uh, question in our in our group. Uh, before I get into that, I, I want to point out also uh, that there's an article in the back of the leader guide and the personal study guide about dreams in the book of Daniel. That's not the name of the title, but um, there's a, there's an article about dreams in the book of Daniel that would be also worth looking at. But 
you know, so does he does he communicate this way today? If God spoke through dreams and visions uh, in the Bible in Old Testament times, there's no doubt that he he can do that today. If he chooses to communicate that way today, he, he can and he will. It's interesting um, how there are so many reports in countries coming out of countries that have no where there's no access to the gospel closed countries where there's no access to the gospel or very limited access to scripture or to any christian witness that in those countries we so often hear about jesus appearing to people in dreams and people coming to faith through dreams now in countries where the bible is widely known and available and the gospel is openly proclaimed you know, you don't get the same kind of reports of, of people coming to faith through dreams as you do from those closed countries where they have no access to the gospel. So I definitely think, you know, in those situations, you know, we can affirm that, yes, there, there are times and places today where God does still speak to people through dreams. At the same time, we need to be discerning when people claim I've had a vision from God. You know, I had a, I had a God gave me a dream. God gave me a vision. We 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 just need to be discerning about this, because we know Scripture says that Satan is a counter counter counterfeiter. Um, he disguises himself as an angel of light. And the Bible says in First John four one that you know not all claims of divine revelation are from God. And it says there don't believe every spirit, test the spirits to see if they're from, from God. Uh, so we need to be discerning. Um, and remember that there's only one inerrant, infallible, authoritative source of revelation, and that's scripture. And that God will never give any kind of revelation today that contradicts what he has said in his word. He won't. Um, he will not contradict himself. So yeah, God can communicate with us or with people however he chooses to do so. He, he can and he does. But in the words of A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite theologians, he said, Tozer said, if God gives you a watch, are you honoring him more by asking him what time it is or by simply consulting the watch? In other words, you know, we, don't, we shouldn't be seeking dreams and visions go to the word go go to that's, that's the first place you want to you don't want to know what god says you don't want you want to know what he's saying go to the word go to scripture i don't know who said this but i, I love it it says if you want to hear god speak aloud if you want to hear him speak audibly then read the bible out loud you know because that, that's god's word to us so go go to the scripture and don't seek uh the other you know means of communication in this vision there are these four beasts. How should we understand these four beasts? Why, why would we understand them that way? I know the personal study guide and the daily discipleship guide gives us a good bit of content on how people have understood these, but can you walk us through that just uh, briefly? Yeah, just uh, looking at Daniel 7, the, the dream about the beast is recorded in the first 14 verses, but then it's interpreted a bit for us in beginning in verse 15. And uh, Daniel 7, 17, it says to us, these huge beasts for number are four kings who will rise from the earth. So, it, you know, it tells us the, the, the beasts are four kings or in four kingdoms. 
And there's a connection between this passage and Daniel chapter two. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream uh, about a statue and, and the different metals in that statue represented these same four kings and kingdoms. So there's a connection there. It's the same kings and kingdoms that we we're looking at here. So in the four, the, the, the dream about the four uh, beast, uh, he begins in verse four, seven, four. Uh, it's the first is like a lion. Uh, but it had eagle's wings, like a lion. The word like is an important word here uh, because Daniel is trying to describe in human language what he was seeing that was indescribable. I mean, it's, it's not that he's ever seen anything like this, but he's saying, well, it would be like a lion. I mean, he, he, was, he was familiar with a lion, so that's all he can do is he's trying to describe what's indescribable. So it's, it's like a lion. That's the best way to, to picture it. It's like kind of like a lion with eagle's wings. And most interpreters would understand the lion, this lion is the, the kingdom of Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. And then uh, after Babylon uh, faded from, from the world scene, the Persian kingdom, uh, sometimes called uh, Medo-Persia, was the next great world power. And most interpreters believe the second beast, the bear, represents Medo-Persia. And following Medo-Persia, Greece dominated the world. So the third beast, the leopard, um, is, is likely the, the Greek empire that Alexander the Great established. And the four wings and the four heads that Daniel described, most likely described the four generals who then divided Alexander's empire uh, when Alexander died. And then you've got the, that fourth beast, doesn't have a name. Uh, you know, you got the lion, the bear, the leopard, the fourth one is not given the name because it's not like anything Daniel had ever seen or could compare to, it was just different, he said. And it was the most terrifying and frightening because it was very powerful, it had these large iron teeth and it devoured its prey. And that uh, most scholars, interpreters say, you know, that, that represents the, the Roman empire that became the dominant world power superseding Greece in the second century BC and ruled the world uh, at the time that, that Jesus was born. Um, so, you know, we just, we don't, we don't want to get caught up in the imagery and the details and, and miss the significance of the dream and the vision. That the scene of the beast changes in, in verse 9 uh, from the four beasts to, to a, a vision of God on his throne, the Ancient of Days, as we talked about, who's sovereign over every king and kingdom. So the meaning and the message of this vision uh, was... Uh, it was the same to those exiles in Daniel's day as it is to every generation of believers. It, it's, it's this, the message is the same. And for us, evil may prosper for a time, but God will prevail. You know, worldly kingdoms are temporary. God is eternal. When Jesus stood before the high priest at his trial, when he was uh, on trial bef uh, before the Sanhedrin, he said to the high priest, he said, in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. So before his accusers, Jesus remained calm because he knew who he was. He knew who he was. And we can remain calm in spite of world events because we know who he is. What are some of the principles here we need to keep in mind when we're interpreting passages like what we're looking at this week? Well, one is that prophets um, were foretellers and foretellers. They had that dual role. They spoke to future generations, but they also spoke to their generation. You know, what, what they said concerning future events was not without meaning to, to their own generation. So the prophecies in Daniel 
that do concern future generations also had some significance to the exiles who were who were you know living in Daniel's time. And so we always want to ask, what did it mean for them? And as I just pointed out, you know, the message to them is the same as you know the message to us uh, that God's in control. Um, and another thing is that God, uh, rather, the Bible uses various uh, genres or literary styles to teach us God's truth. And so you have in Daniel, the second half of Daniel uh, is primarily what we would call apocalyptic literature. And this is a, this is a type of literature marked by visions and very vivid world, uh, word pictures. Uh, apocalyptic uh, literature is highly symbolic. So, so I would just say that we don't want to get lost in the symbols and miss the truth that the symbols are meant to convey because prophecy was never given to satisfy our curiosity about future events. And that's not, we, that's not how we need to approach prophecy. It's not there just to satisfy our curiosity or answer our questions about what's going to happen in the future. It's there to encourage and comfort God's people. And apocalyptic literature in particular was a type of prophecy meant to encourage God's persecuted and suffering people who needed to hear and who still need to hear God's in control and God is writing the final chapter of human history. It serves as a source of hope, source of encouragement, source of strength for those people who are facing challenging days. Yeah. I mentioned earlier the, a handout from the pack, and I said that like I assume folks know what the pack is. Uh, one of the resources that Lifeway produces that supplement complement explore the Bible is a leader pack. And in that leader pack are posters, handouts, charts, uh, things you can use like that to support what's going on in the Bible study time. It saves you as a teacher some, some, some trouble. Those are referenced in the group plans and in the leader helps in the daily discipleship guide. And they're there to help you be a little more effective uh, as a teacher. You can create your own. We tell you how to do that in back of both of the leader guide and the daily discipleship guide. It's just going to take a little bit of time for you to do that. And I know time is of an essence for folks. So when we talk about the leader pack or our pack item, we're talking about one of the resources that's included in that leader pack. And you can purchase it in print or in digital. It's available both formats. You can find out more about that by going to the Explore the Bible website, which is goexplorethebible.com. Mike, are there any other key ideas or thoughts you would share about this vision from Daniel 7? No, just um, just to wrap it up, uh, to quote Billy Graham, I've read the last page of the Bible, and it's all going to turn out all right. That's what <laughs> and that's true of, you know, Revelation. That's true of Daniel. That's, that's the message of Daniel. We know how it's going to turn out. All, we know it's going to turn out all right because he's on the throne. I want to thank everybody out there for listening today. Mike, thank you for being with us today. Uh, we hope you will encourage other teachers to tune in next week. We'll be looking at session 13 as we conclude our study of Daniel. Brian, Daniel will be with us, and we'll be looking at this confession that's made by Daniel and think about the idea of how we can confess our sins knowing God offers forgiveness. Mm -hmm.